ugh, with the rain and the time off and <laughs> I am rusty. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. We are back, but... Before we get started, let's introduce ourselves and tell the world, if you could only see one movie that you ended up missing in 2017, what would it be? I'm Sandra Omstetz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, if I could only see one movie that I missed, I didn't. I haven't had a chance to see BPM yet. It's not been out mm. in Nashville. It's coming out probably in February, um, and I've only heard amazing things about it. Um, so that's going to be my pick and i also want to say really quickly that i'm a little sick today so if my voice sounds crazy that's why <laughs> um i'm lucas Ryder, designer for the bay area and i if i i think my most anticipated movie from 2017 that i have not seen is phantom thread um mm. that's one that i've only gotten more excited about as time has gone on and it is still not out really anywhere and i'm kind of upset that that counts as a 2017 movie because I think it just came out in New York and LA for like one day in I mean, 2017. But, story of my life. Ugh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> but, well, anyway, each week we like to talk about something that we have discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a movie, music, TV show, books, whatever. Sandra, what is it that you are feeling this week? I'm feeling so many things this week, Lucas. Um, I'm only going to talk about one because that's what we try to do here. <laughs> but I just want to say that I'm catching up on all these movies that came out technically in 2017. I'm seeing yes. so many and so many of them are great. But um, interestingly enough, I'm really feeling a musician this week. His name is Tyler Cole. Um He's probably most well-known for being Willow Smith's boyfriend. Um, but let me tell you, if you go and check out Tyler Cole's music, I think you will be really pleasantly surprised by how um, mature and interesting it is. Um, I think the Smith kids alone are like really cool and interesting people. But this guy, Tyler Cole, um, might be making my favorite music out of the three of them. Um, I don't have much else to say other than I think you really just need to listen to it. It's hard to describe. His lyrics remind me of Frank Ocean. His aesthetic is definitely going to for like a Bowie um, mm -hmm. look. Uh, his musical sense kind of is he's trying to be a little bit Bowie, maybe a little bit punk rock, maybe a little bit Queen, maybe a little bit R&B. It's all kind of blended together. Um, this is not somebody that I would expect to be Will Smith's boyfriend. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it is. I. It's not surprising to me. I would say okay. that. Um, <laughs> but he's just really impressive. Uh, all I can recommend is to go to his Spotify or Apple Music page and just start listening to all of his songs straight through because I think that's the best way to get a good sense of who he is musically. Um, Love at First Fight is... 
I think his best single, or his number one single, I should say. Um, my favorite of his singles is called Blow Up Your TV. Um, it's a song that, like, critiques our obsession with media in a way that I don't know if I agree with his message, um, <laughs> but I love the song even still. And it has a great music video attached that... Um, if you want to get a sense of the way this guy looks and moves, the music video is really fun and interesting. Um, it's especially interesting because, you know, in the music video, he has lots of TVs around and sometimes they're playing Will Smith movies. And I think that's a fun little um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's definitely very interesting to see what types of media he seems to be uplifting and critiquing in like his music video mm -hmm. um and it's it's fun it's just really fun again he's very young and it feels youthful and and exciting um i some of his lyrics um are very much of his generation and then some of them feel like he like hates his generation and i i'm really excited to see what he turns into as an artist, um, but I'm liking his music a lot right now. Waiting for the moment I break free, all alone and I'm pacing. I'm not hiding at all. There's crying involved, the lying and hating. All the people we don't know, that's a problem we don't grow as a people at all. I can't see you at all, but I know that you're suffering. Our computers are both. Nice. Yeah, like I said, Love at First Fight, Blow Up Your TV are like two of his biggest songs. Um, but every song is interesting. So that's why I recommend just kind of giving him a listen in general. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about that now. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Um, about this. <laughs> he is the first artist that I've seen who has emojis in his song, in his track, in his track list. So we shall see. But his, his album artwork's pretty interesting too. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. All right, you're selling me more and more on this kid. Yeah. Uh, what are you feeling this week, Lucas? I am feeling a book trilogy called The Southern Reach. Um, it is a trilogy that came out in 2014. It was written by Jeff Vandermeer. It's interesting. It's one of the first things that I've seen where they released all three books kind of at once, uh, almost like Netflix style. Um, but it is a really interesting thing to do because because he kind of wrote them all at once and waited for it all the whole trilogy to be complete before it came out. Um, he does a lot of really interesting stuff with the narrative where he was able to kind of go and edit the third book based or edit you know edit stuff in the first book based off what he wrote in the third book and stuff like that um but each book is very different um with different kind of uh storytelling techniques and stuff like that um it's very unique but it's also a lot of fun to read um they're very short books too so they're, they're i don't they're not really hard to get through it's very just a, a fun kind of quick read um but it's it's about um a section of the united states in the future um, part of it starts to get reclaimed by nature and uh, a team kind of goes in to kind of figure out what is going on there. Um, but the first movie, or sorry, the first book is being adapted into a movie um, by Alex Garland starring 
Natalie Portman. Okay. Uh, Tessa As Thompson. You were saying this description, I was like, this sounds yes. like Annihilation. And, yes. it, and it is. So that is that is the first book, Annihilation. Okay. Um, so I, I, I read all of these kind of in preparation for the movie, um, and which makes me even more excited for the movie now. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm but, very excited for that movie. Yeah. If you like kind of sci-fi books, um, futuristic stuff, that this is a excellent, excellent trilogy to read through. And if you're going to watch Annihilation, I would definitely suggest always read the book first. So <laughs> that's my suggestion. You know, my mom would agree with you, Lucas, but I'm starkly in the opposite camp. I... <laughs> always believe I should watch the movie first um, because then usually there's more <laughs> details in the book and so you get surprised by those details when you read the book after <laughs> the movie versus if you read the book first then there's no surprises when you see the movie. See, I like picturing it all in my own mind and then seeing someone else's interpretation of no, it. No, I like but... celebrities. <laughs> I like to see <laughs> celebrities' faces when I read books. Yeah. Uh, got it, got it. Um, well, this one, from what I've heard, it's going to be very different from um, the book, and it's not going to be a trilogy, as far as I'm, as far as I hear. It's just going to be an adaptation of the first book, and that is it. Um, so I'm curious well, to see kind of how what's how, that, how that's going to work out. It's interesting to hear that because knowing Hollywood, if this movie somehow blew up. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would ex, ex, expand it. But Alex Gar Garland has said like he like he didn't make this movie with a trilogy in mind. Okay. Um. He just he and it's because it's so different. It can't follow the same trilogy that the book does. So. Okay. We shall see. I'm yeah. So it, the narrative that, might that, be different. The, than, yeah, the narrative might be I different. See. But and he said he's not interested. But you know you gotcha. know how that always works. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I'm very excited for that. I think that comes out in February, so yeah. we're getting close. Gotcha. Um, well, before we move on and talk about Itania, I do want to mention the Golden Globes that happened on Sunday. Sandra, you watched it all, I correct? Did. Red yes. carpet and everything. Awesome. Well, I didn't what watch was your red carpet. You didn't watch red carpet? No. I feel like that's that's kind of your go-to, though. No, red it's carpet? not. I never watch You're red not, carpet. You never watch red carpet. Almost See, never. See, I also try to never watch red carpet, but um, my wife loves the red carpet. Because so I feel like most of nowadays red carpet I can get from Twitter. I can see pictures mm. of everyone's mm -hmm. outfits. Um, if there's any iconic or, like, memeable moment on the red carpet, it's usually on Twitter instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I don't need to sit through all the, the boring stuff when Twitter gives me all the good stuff. Mm, I'm going to use that argument next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me, what was your favorite and least favorite moment of the Golden Globes this Ooh, year? Ooh, okay. Well, favorite moment is easy because it was Oprah's speech. I mean, I was so blown away by it. And it's one of those things where... For many reasons, it was great. But one reason is it really made me think about, like, this is why I still tune in for live television events. Because, yes, I'm sure you can watch that speech the next day or watch it later that night on YouTube. And I'm sure it's still incredibly powerful and meaningful. I don't take that away from it. But there's something about watching a live TV event and then all of a sudden that happens. And everything feels different, you know, and I, I love that we still get those moments every once in a while. Um, mm -hmm. It's 
it was impressive to see someone who is actually a great orator yes. give a speech <laughs> at an award show. Because a lot yes. of times the speeches of are of varying quality and mm-hmm. s- sometimes actors are great speech givers and sometimes they're not. Sometimes like yeah. they yeah. P- they need someone to write that for them. Um, yes. But yeah. Oprah is a great orator. I mean, she's she might be one of the best orators in the world. Mm-hmm. Um and she just came with all like all of her attention and like effort ready to like give an amazing speech and she did. So yeah, I mean that's hands down was my best. What was your favorite moment? I think my favorite moment was watching <laughs> um was watching what is Seth Meyers. There you go. I yeah. don't know why I blanked on Seth Meyers. Yeah. Um, watching Seth Meyers open it, open up the the awards show, show because he, I think he did such a good job of kind of hitting all the he, he hit all the jokes that you thought he was going to hit, mm-hmm. but not he didn't come at him head on. Um, he had a lot of kind of weird jokes that I didn't catch until actually my second time watching. Yeah. <laughs> through the, um that the, that that opening the one the, that, that like took everyone a while was um, when he said, Harvey Weinstein isn't here tonight because, well, I've heard rumors that he's crazy and difficult to work with. Yes, yes, that, yeah, that one specifically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, him and, I, like, I, I, his his little bit with, like, Amy Poehler was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I loved that he did his, what's, what's his bit called that he, uh. Oh, jokes um, Seth can't jokes, tell. Yeah, jokes Which Seth can't tell. Which is my favorite bit that Seth Meyers does. I don't watch it's... Seth Meyers, like, every day. But every <laughs> time he does a joke Seth can't tell, I go to YouTube yeah. and watch it. Yeah, I thought it was such a good way to kind of pull that in and, like, make that night more fun. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought he did a fantastic job hosting. And that makes such a strong point that there are yeah. jokes that we can't that can be made but that other people need to be doing the ones making like that there Mm -hmm. there are things that we can talk about but we need to like focus the attention and the voices on other people it's so smart and also funny and yeah yep he i think he was one of the first award hosts that i feel like didn't get in the way of the awards um absolutely because because he really honestly after his 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 opening, he didn't have a ton of jokes throughout. No, um, he got. They just kind of got on with the award show, and I thought that was fantastic. Well, <laughs> we're not we're not there for him to see him do jokes. Like it was fun at the beginning, and yeah. he just kind of kept it moving along. So I was really, really, you know, really impressed by that. I wasn't happy with all of the award winners, um, but I was yeah. happy with this as an award show because they kept it. It was long. They always are. But he, mm-hmm. they kept it moving. Like they really did. So many presenters didn't do any bits. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if they knew how long Oprah's speech was, and they're like, "We gotta get to Oprah. Like we can't." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and other speakers like they, you know, this is the kind of year where you don't really want to cut people off as much. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? It was a better award show because of it. Um, yep. I'd rather hear Oprah and Nicole Kidman and Laura Dern. And Greta Gerwig, like, give all these amazing speeches than see, you know, like, a random, Mm -hmm. you know, actor try to do comedy for the first time. (laughs) Yes, seriously. Um, So what about your least favorite moment? Huh. I mean, I'm going to give a very collective thing and just say, with the exception of Guillermo del Toro, all of the men's speeches... 
I, I just think that they were supremely <laughs> disappointing. Um, you didn't like Sterling K. Browns? Yeah, and Sterling K. Browns. Yes, he was. Okay. He's always great. Um, my head is in movie land. Um, I, yeah, uh, yeah. But yes, you know, you're right. He, he was great. Guillermo del Toro was great. But everyone else's was boring and bad. Mm-hmm. E- either just the sin of just being boring or the sin of being actively bad. Um, the, <laughs> the fact that literally none of them brought up the Time's Up movement in their speech is not yeah. a big surprise, actually, but it is so disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. Especially, as it was pointed out on Twitter, Alexander Skarsgård has now won an Emmy and a Golden Globe for playing a rapist and a domestic abuser. And to not bring that up in either speeches, to not bring up that issue, and I think it's a little tasteless, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying he even needs to make his whole speech about it, but <laughs> to say something about the fact yeah. that, like, this is an issue that we all need to pay attention to, or he's mm-hmm. grateful for the women who have told their stories, um, you know, I think it's just a little, a little sad that, like, he can't recognize the importance that that, like, storyline has played into his achievement. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. My, um least favorite moment was uh james franco's speech yeah that to me was just rough like it was real bad it's so just awkward and weird and like this i mean honestly i have mixed feelings about that movie just in general yeah <laughs> about about like their portrayal of tommy wiseau but i mean just to bring him on stage and the way they like he kind of like cut him off and everything like that it was just an uncomfortable that <laughs> moment for me is a bad so, yeah, look yeah it was it was it was weird um, and but, to do his to bring him on stage and then to do his accent right in front of him while yeah. he's on stage yeah um, yeah it's it was very bad. uncomfortable she, times up on James Franco let me tell you like he <laughs> there's just uh, I'm gonna give you another really bad moment Lucas yeah. of the yeah. Golden Globes it's seeing all these men wearing times up pins that you know are about to get like or be next on the list of accusers yeah that like yeah. <laughs> that either that or seeing a bunch of people i.e. Justin Timberlake and um mm-hmm. and even though i really love him um Chalamet Timmy Chalamet mm-hmm. Wearing these pins, even though they literally did Woody Allen movies this year, you know, yeah. it it is so infuriating to see mm-hmm. um, that Woody Allen is still like everyone knows, you know, it's it should mm-hmm. be widely accepted. And yet ar- artists that I love, you know, I'm not even saying this about people that I think are annoying. These are artists that I truly love. <laughs> yeah. Can't seem to hold them to task. Um, mm-hmm. It's really disappointing. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what happens with Woody Allen in the future. Cause I feel like, like all of these Woody Allen, like, and not saying that this is an excuse at all, but um, this stuff all came out kind of after um, his most recent movie was already kind of in the can. So I'm very curious well, with all of the backlash against Woody Allen. By this stuff, you mean this movement and not right, information right, right, about right. Woody Allen. No, 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 no. That's That's been out. But I guess yeah. like the kind of the backlash against the movement in, in or the, back, the backlash against all of this stuff happening yeah. um, is hitting full force now. So 
Here's Again, the thing. this is not an excuse to work with him, but I'm curious who will work with him in the future now. It's just, you know, they, they should know, but it's hard to it's hard to have sympathy because oh, yeah. you should know I, better. You just should. This is this totally wasn't a should. secret. This wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. like they they said with Harvey Weinstein an open secret. This was a really public thing. Yeah. Like yeah. since 2014, really really public. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's just disappointing. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. We I'm very very interested to see <laughs> the next Woody Allen movie who signs on because that's going to be, I really don't think there's going to be a big difference. I think he has so many projects lined up with people still signing up for them. Um, Mm. Chris Hemsworth, I think signed up for something soon. Um, I I just think that like, there's a, I I don't see it. I think he will die with people still trying to work with him. Oh, well that's disappointing. I know. I know. Um, well let's, let's talk big winners. Um, Let's just start with motion picture, musical, musical and comedy, and drama. We've got Lady Bird coming out ahead, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So, Lucas, I want to hear how how do you how do you feel about three billboards nowadays? I here's the thing. I still like the movie. I think it has many, 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 many flaws. Um, but uh, like for me, a lot of it is this was not made by an American. Like he has no clue what <laughs> what American life is like. Um, Martin McDonough is Irish. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and he said in multiple interviews, just like he's made it very clear that he has no idea what racism in America looks like. Okay. But then I'm not feeling that as a good excuse though, to like make a movie about race. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, but I I just, I just kind of decided to make a movie about it. I don't really know about it. So you can't really judge me. No, no, no. no. And I, I don't think like in his head, like he did not for him he did not make a movie about racism and i think a lot of people especially with the hollywood foreign press do not see this as a movie about racism because that's really not the point of the movie there's a lot of racist stuff that happens in this movie and that is the background of this movie which is not not a great move at all that i'm like really disappointed about but i can see why it won like this is the hollywood foreign press they do not have the same like insight of racism in america as the rest of us um so i i totally see why this one and honestly i still think it's a good movie i again have issues with it i wish he'd made other decisions but overall i i'm I, it was something that i kind of expected <laughs> i think the more i think about this movie yeah because let me tell you because we don't, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast but i don't think we didn't talk about it too much yeah Cause, yeah because i was right, the only you one brought it up and you would only see it, it. Yeah. right um when i was watching this movie I thought it was a good movie. <laughs> and then when it was over, or as it was even ending, I was like, what? Wait a minute. And nowadays, what I really think about this movie is that I think it's a really bad movie with amazing actors in it. We, <laughs> we don't get that too often. I think often yeah. we get bad movies with decent actors or bad movies with uh, bad actors. This is a bad movie with incredible actors giving it their all. <laughs> and that tricks you into thinking or tricks people into thinking it's a good movie because Frances McDormand is amazing in it. Sam Rockwell is a great performer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're like, yeah, this this is great. And, but I think it's a bad movie. And um, 
I think if we award it any more awards, we're going to look back at this movie in 10 years and be embarrassed by oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For um, sure. So I honestly think it will not be it will not win Oscars. I think I don't know, Lucas. I really don't think I really don't think it will. We'll see. We'll see. What, think, what would you have given it to? As far as drama goes. Drama. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, we've got Dunkirk, The Post, Shape of Water and Call Me By Your Name. Well, I haven't seen The Post yet. I'm very excited to. Um, mm-hmm. Out of those, I would probably give it to Call Me By Your Name. But mm-hmm. I would have been really excited if any of them had won. I think they all seem to be great movies. You know, other I haven't seen The Post, yeah. but it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if that had won. Um, it, it wouldn't have surprised Seth Meyers either. He had a whole joke about it winning a ton of awards, and then it didn't win anything. It didn't win any. I was really surprised by that. The, just the whole complete shutout yeah. of, of the post. Um, and Dunkirk. Dunkirk didn't win anything right. either. That doesn't surprise me that much, actually. Dunkirk is an amazing film that I think is only going to win um, like technical, technical. awards. Yeah. No. Um, it's disappointing. Yeah. But... I, I call me by your name. I think is an incredible movie. I I also think Shape of Water is like a really lovely movie. Um, mm-hmm. I was excited about Del Toro's win, um, partially because I like Shape of Water, but also partially just because I really love Del Toro, like as a person, and mm-hmm. seeing him win is just great. Um, yeah. The best director category I think is the most interesting and hard category this year. Um, because I think this, the deck is stacked so high with yeah. people who have been winning Oscars and being nominated <laughs> for Oscars for decades and people that are newcomers that really deserve to be in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had five men nominated for Best Director at the Golden Globes. And I can think of at least four other directors that could have easily been in that category. So come Oscar time, that is the one I have my eye on. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was a crying shame that Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird won Best Comedy, but she didn't get nominated for Best Director. Yep. Yep. I am... I'm I'm nervous about the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see how that director category yeah. uh gets flushed out. But how do you feel about uh speaking of Ladybird, the how that that it won Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy against the Disaster Artist Get Out, Great Greatest Showman and I Tanya, which we will talk about in a minute. Um I obviously feel like that to me that was the right choice. That's also what I would have Yeah, voted for. I do too. But, I mean, I think it's really hard to come pair which is a better movie get out or ladybird i think mm-hmm. it's such a hard conversation to have i think they're both great movies um yeah. but but with that in mind i do love that ladybird won um as mm-hmm. that group i think it's yeah it's a great movie if ladybird like got so much oscar attention i would be incredibly happy for it um yeah. there are a lot of movies this this year when it comes to oscars they're they might not even be in my top 10, but I want them to win all the Oscars. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's only, and I say that because this is a year with a lot of great movies in it. Um, and yeah, I just want good stuff to win. That's all, that's all I care about. Yep. And not in the same movies boat. that I think are <laughs> truly bad. Just so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to have to revisit three billboards at yeah. some point. But. All right, let us move on and talk about I, Tanya. Okay. Tanya Harding, my star. 
Going into this movie, did you know much about Tanya Harding, or what, as I call it, the incident? <laughs> right. um, <laughs> for me, for me, this is like one of the first news stories that I remember. Oh, interesting. Um, as, as as a kid, I think this this one, and then O.J. Simpson. No, um, like that was the first one that I was like, oh, you know, news is a thing that I listen to and like see on TV and stuff like that. So yeah, no, I didn't know much about it. I mean, I think before like trailers for this movie came out. Um, I could have told you that, yeah, like, Tanya Harding was a figure skater, and if you would have brought up the broken leg thing, I would have been like, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, but that was about my extent. And then, you know, once the trailers come out, you start hearing more about her story. And, um, of course, Sufjan released that amazing song. Um, and so you listen to that, you read a little bit about her there. But before this movie was made, I knew almost yeah. nothing. I So so what do you think? First impression. Let me first say that... The two movies this year that I have had the most mixed reviews by critics I love um, <laughs> were Three Billboards and I, Tanya. And as we just discussed, I did not like Three Billboards. Um, and I was so nervous going into this movie because so many critics I love were like, it is soulless and bad and, and it treats all these like intense topics with callousness or humor in, in inappropriate ways. And... I kept, I tweeted once that, like, the last time I ignored critics' reviews and saw a movie like this was when I saw Suicide Squad, and I deeply regret yeah. it. <laughs> so I was, like, very nervous seeing this movie. Um, yeah. But I thought it was really, really great. Um, I was so nervous about the way it was going to handle the topics of, like, abuse and... Mm -hmm. And then I was pleasantly surprised to find out that I think they handled it in a very nuanced way. Um, I think the movie is funny and fast-paced and interesting and really stylized in a way that I can get behind. And mm -hmm. um, Margot Robbie, as I've said before, um, even in Suicide Squad, is just such a gem. I love watching her. Um so I had a great time with this movie. Yeah. I kind of had the same feeling as you kind of going into it. I was like, how is it going to handle abuse? Like, this is written by Steven Rogers, who has basically only written rom-coms. <laughs> and so I was very nervous about, like, how does a guy See, like that handle I hear something? that, and it makes me feel better about this. Versus <laughs> someone like fucking David Ayers, like... <laughs> oh, well. You know, yeah, or, or, but, or any other man that's only done, like action movies or like mm -hmm. intense yeah. dramas. Or like sports movies. I hear someone like who's written rom-coms and, and I think, oh, this is someone who's used to telling a story from a woman's yeah. perspective. Yeah. Sorry, well, continue. I think he did. No, I think he did an amazing job. I was like really surprised with, yeah, because like like you said, like how they handle the abuse. And that's, that's not a spoiler or anything. No, I don't think no, for anybody. Not. Like, like 
that that was uh, if you've something seen the that trailer, she dealt with her entire life. You see that yeah. it's like an abuse. Mm-hmm. She's someone who deals with abuse. Yeah. 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 And I think the way it comes at it, like telling multiple stories, because multiple people have different perspectives of what happened with Tanya Harding and the fact that they have conflicting stories and how it kind of handles that in the movie, I think is is really interesting to see. Now, have you seen the 30 for 30 documentary? No. Um, yeah, ESPN did a 30 for 30 documentary, I think in 2014. Um, but Steven Rogers actually said that's how he got the idea. Like he saw the 30 for 30 documentary and he was like, oh, this actually would make a great story. And he just kind of wrote it himself and went to Tanya Harding and was like, hey, can I tell your story? Um, which I think, I think is, is really amazing. Like this wasn't a studio film. This is very independent. And the fact that it's getting this much traction, I'm really, really pumped about, um, Performance-wise, like Margot Robbie and Allison Janney do a fantastic job in this. I think I like as much as I love Laurie Metcalf in Lady Bird. I I think the 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 Golden Globe win for Allison Janney was deserving, and I'm very curious to see how far that's that's going to go with the Oscars and everything like that. That's interesting, um, Lucas, because I really disagree with you on that. I am a really? huge Allison Janney fan. I love her to death, um, but I left this movie thinking. Man, Laurie Metcalf was robbed because well, I think this is a good performance. By I, you know, I would never say I don't have any critiques of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough to warrant like all the award season buzz she's getting, and I just think that Laurie Metcalf's performance is so much more interesting and nuanced than Allison Janney just kind of cursing a lot. Um. <laughs> I disagree. I think she does an amazing job because you don't like. At no point in time do you feel like her mom is betraying her or like, like I, like I, I, the whole time I felt like she was a terrible parent for sure. An abusive, terrible parent, but I didn't hate her the entire movie. I felt, I felt like, you know, she had stuff that she was, she was, you know, had never dealt with. And like, I felt like there was more depth there than there could have been with somebody else portraying that character. I mean, I will give it to her that she does a great job. Like I, like I said, I have no mm-hmm. critiques of it, but yeah, I just think it's a little overhyped in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about Sebastian Stan? I think he's great. Again, like I'm not saying he needs an award for this movie or anything, but yeah. I love Sebastian Stan and almost everything he's ever been in. Um, and I think he's really good at this. I think, you know, I've never heard audio recordings of the real Jeff Gillooly. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that voice that he's putting on in this movie is like, you know, him imitating the real person. Um, but I think it does the movie such a service to show, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say that her husband was abusive as well as her mother. Um, I think that's in the trailer. Okay. Um, I think it's so his performance is so interesting as someone with sort of a more soft spoken voice, um, to show that, Abusive men are not always just, like, these big, muscly, redneck types, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, abusive men can look any way and can act any way, um, I think, is an important thing for, like, people to see. And that, like, he himself denies that it ever happens and then also kind of is like, I just, you know, I'm kind of a meek person, I think is what he says in the movie. Yeah, and yeah that someone can think of themselves that way or try to tell other people that they are one way and yet behave another, I think is also an important lesson that mm-hmm. I like that the yeah. movie addresses. Um, I, yeah, for, for me, I thought he did a fantastic job and just 
man, everything about this movie I thought was very nuanced. Like, yeah. <laughs> for for an, an abuse story, for a sports movie, like all of it, <laughs> I thought could have been handled so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I was re- really impressed with 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 everything that happened here. I I would say this is a movie that will probably not win a lot of Oscars. Um, but I, I'm excited for it to get nominated so more people will see this. Right. You know, this is a movie that, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, we we see a lot of movies in theaters. I go to the movie, the Belcourt, our independent theater, like, it seems like constantly. And <laughs> um, I have had to watch this trailer so many times, you know, because yeah. they would play it every single time. Um, and... There that and I've seen lots of trailers multiple times, mm-hmm. and this is the one trailer that I have not gotten sick of seeing. Every yes. time it plays, I would get so excited, and it was so fun to see the crowd I was with really react strongly to this trailer. Um, mm-hmm. And seeing this movie in an in a theater with a full audience on a Monday night um, was really cool to see people really excited to see it, and then reacting very audibly throughout the film. Um, mm-hmm. This movie definitely uses humor. And I was really concerned going into it that it was going yeah. to laugh at the wrong things. And mm-hmm. I don't think it does. Like, that was my big critique, again, with Suicide Squad, was that it uses moments of, like, violence against women as punchlines, as, like, moments for people to laugh and this movie does not do that. It all the violence in this movie is um, portrayed as like sickening violence, um, and all of the punchlines are punchlines about like the ridiculousness of these people's like lives and personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I always think of it like it's an abuse sandwich. Like there's there's usually like a, like a yeah. big punchline that's that's really funny, and then like a shocking like some something happens, yeah. some some kind of abuse happens, and then we go back to you know something funny, and it's just like that. It's very sickening, like how it jumps back well, and forth between that, and it's I think I think it's very like accurate to like yes, uh, <laughs> how how an abusive lifestyle is like, absolutely, which I thought was amazing. Well, I love that. You know, I yes, there are some people that live in a, that are abused people that have just sad lives that are just so tragic. And this movie Mm -hmm. is tragic in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. what, what makes this movie feel so real is that for a lot of people being abused by a loved one, whether it's a family member or a significant other is often just a part of your everyday life. And it's not this dramatic, tragic, moment. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's something that happens in small and big ways and you also have a, a life outside of it filled with humor and success and failure and work and friends and mm-hmm. all those things while all this abuse is happening. You know, and yeah. and that yeah. abuse colors all those events, but those events still happen and I I like that this movie told a story that way. Um Yeah. I th- I, th- I think that was so smart of it. Um, last thing I want to mention before we get into spoilers, um, it was Paul Walter Hauser who plays her bodyguard. Yeah, this is the first thing I've seen him in, and Same. I thought he was amazing. I thought this is a breakout role for him. He's hilarious. <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> um, physic physically, like he does a lot of stuff with his face that is 
amazing, <laughs> yeah. just hilarious. And I thought had like, I thought this can't be what this guy is actually like. And at, at the, at the end, they do show clips of some of these real people and he's doing an amazing impression. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's probably the only character they don't give a lot of like nuance to, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But it seems fitting, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially if, he was one of like the main people behind the incident. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, yeah, he's very funny in this. And, mm-hmm. and again, what makes this movie so good is that most, almost all of it is completely true. Um, true enough, at least, you know, true to some yeah. people, true to, you know, yeah. maybe not true to others, but happened mm-hmm. in some way. Um, and yeah, that like, these are not, characters that someone made up for our enjoyment these are like real people that yeah um and a lot of these things Mm -hmm. are real and that's what makes it so bizarre all right well anything else before we jump into spoilers um i want to say that i wasn't prepared for how visually exciting this movie was going to be um Mm -hmm. and i should have been the trailer i i don't think the trailer hides it but I was really going into it expecting the comedy and not expecting, Mm -hmm. like, how interesting it was going to be visually. And I was just really pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Especially, like, the skating. Yeah. Like, they did... I, the whole time I was like, how did they shoot this? How did they shoot this? How did they shoot this? I watch sports, but I love sports movies because there's a more interesting story and you can film the action in a way that you can never, of course, film a real sports event. Mm -hmm. And of course you can't film real skating events the way that they filmed this one, you know, on the ice, um, just like really up in her face. Um, But let me tell you, it was thrilling to watch. Um, I I was reading, or maybe I was listening to an interview. I don't remember with the the writer, and it turns out the cinematographer is an ice skater, and so he was just out on the ice with her and with the stunt doubles and everything like that, just skating around filming this. And like, it makes yeah, it makes me think that like after the Olympics, they should do like the Olympics where we watch the events as we normally do, (laughs) and then afterwards they should do ice skating specials. With, like, editing and someone on the ice and, like, mm-hmm. get like do, like, a documentary-style <laughs> thing of yeah. the mo- the best ice skaters we have in the world right now. Let's get up and close with them and then edit it yeah. together. Do, do, like, a Planet Earth but for ice skaters? Yes. Like, just some amazing videography and, going on. But just... <laughs> for, like, any sport, you know, like, yeah. let's get our world's best, best athletes and film them the way we would film movies, um, just for the yeah. visual like excitement of it. Totally. I'm excited about that now. <laughs> I'm, a mil- I'm a million dollar idea machine, Lucas, is what yeah. we've discovered yeah. on this You're podcast. generating them. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay. All right, copyright 2017. Right. 18. 18. 18. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> let's talk spoilers for Itania. Okay. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but something that <laughs> feels like it belongs here. Here's just an interesting fact that I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. Is that the triple axle is, like, so hard to do. Like, it is a big yes. thing that I, Tanya, could do a triple axel. When they were making the movie, I think Margot Robbie said in an interview, she was like, you know, 
I just assumed they'd get a stunt double in to like do the triple axle. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then they were like, um, actually, no one can do the triple axle. Very few people in the world have ever been able to do it. And yeah. so they literally don't have someone who could do a triple axle for this movie. They had to piece it together via like CGI and editing. Yes, yes. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing because as I was watching the movie – well, yeah, while I was watching the movie, I was thinking, like, I wonder who they got to do this. Because, right. like, this is – I'm sure this is pretty hard. Like, I don't know anything about ice skating, but I'm sure this is pretty hard. And then afterwards, yeah. The it's answer like, is no one. No. There's, like, there's like three people alive who can do the triple axle, and they're going to the Olympics, like, next month. Yeah. So well, – <laughs> And what's so fascinating about that is, like, you know, when, when we hear she's the first per- U.S. woman to do the triple axle. Yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking, like – in a competition, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. other people have done it, but just like not right. yeah. at the competition level or like they were they were able to do it once in a practice, but not in a competition, you know, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, yeah. just do it at all because they couldn't – the fact that they couldn't get someone to do the triple axel for this movie I think says so much because mm-hmm. that means with as many takes as you want – they couldn't get someone to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this yeah. wasn't just a, like, the fact that, like, with movies, you can do it over and over again. You can edit mm-hmm. it so that it looks the best, <laughs> and they still couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. Is amazing. It's just a testament yeah. to how, what a rare skill she was. Yeah. And that, I think, is stressed, like, well in the movie. I yeah. just... I'm just, I'm just not knowing enough about right. I, but like that's that's Allison Janney's character. Anytime she talks to her coach, she's like, it doesn't matter. She can do the triple. She can do the triple. Yeah. And that's what Tanya says the whole time is I can do the triple. Like I can do the triple. And, yeah. and people are not giving her these scores based on appearance, based on performance, based on her lifestyle, all of this stuff. And she's like, I just, and she has that one scene with her and the judge in like at the car yeah. where she's basically just like, I just want you to judge my skating. Like, can I, can you please, can it please just be about skating? Because she doesn't have anything else. Yeah. Like, she, like, cause he's like, I, he's like, we want a wholesome American family. She's like, I don't, I don't have that. I literally have nothing but the skill of skating. Right. And that was something that I didn't expect to be a theme throughout the movie is how much skating meant to her. Um, because that's, that's what you get at the end is her lifetime ban of skating. Yeah. Like, that's her punishment. And that amazing speech she gives just about, like, I will go to jail. I will do whatever. Like, do not take skating away from me. Well, um, and I love that moment because, again, this movie is a lot about class. And mm-hmm. for yep. her, yeah, jail time, that doesn't sound that, like, scary. Like, she yeah. li- she probably lives in a community where lots of people have gone to jail. You know, she yep. – th- that's, a, that's a reality that she is, like mm-hmm. – been willing to face um yeah and 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 was probably thinking about the whole time yeah you know all through this but i'm sure she never thought that she could be banned from skating right um really quickly before i forget i want to say about the triple axel the the scene where they explain what a triple axel is is i think Mm -hmm. one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie um it seems very like big short yeah and (laughs) And it's one of the scenes where Alice and Janney, I think, really shines. Is oh, people yeah. explaining yeah. it in like these measured ways, and then Alice <laughs> and Janney going like, and then you launch yourself into the fucking sky somehow. <laughs> um, oh man! Yeah, that, that scene was really great. Um, yeah. So uh, another moment that stands out again, talking about like her, the class str- struggle. Um, mm-hmm. And the creativeness that you have to have when, like, you don't have all the money that everyone else does. Um, yeah. 
was that rabbit fur coat. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, <laughs> that got such a huge laugh. And it's just, again, when you can encapsulate so much about what the movie is trying to say about these characters in this one yeah. article of clothing, yep. I think is so yep. brilliant. Yeah, I... the. The wardrobe itself, yeah. I thought, was fantastic. Like, you watch her kind of putting together these outfits that aren't great, no. but, like, they're impressive. Like, they're like, yeah. like, like it's so impressive, that, but, like, just compared to everybody else's outfits, it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, the way that she would and, talk about her outfits that she would make or that her mom would make and yeah. the way other people would talk about it is so interesting because, you know, they would deride her costume. She was like... What's the problem? It's pretty. Like, and her not understanding why they mm-hmm. weren't acceptable. Um, because to her, you know, they have plenty of tool and bows. And, like, like when you yep. don't grow up with that kind of wealth, you don't understand the difference between, like, what people consider low quality and high quality. Um, mm-hmm. And that dissonance is just made very clear here. Yeah. Um. The part that I like, I don't, I honestly don't have a lot of qualms with this movie, but the part that I wish they'd kind of pushed a little harder on is the actual, actual incident. Like, I, I don't think I needed like Nancy Kerrigan to be a character in this movie. Uh Um, but we just saw so little of that. And I know that's because there are so many different like versions of like what happened that it's hard to like narrow down onto like what exactly like went down. Um, but I, I, to, to me, I wanted more of that, like more of like what happened. And I, I get that it was just a, like, it's a stylistic choice of like, we're just like, we're going to stick with Tanya basically. And what, like what she heard afterwards, what, um, I forget Sebastian Sands character's name, but Jeff Gillily. You know, what, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what Jeff heard happened afterwards and like that kind of stuff, which I thought was neat, but I just, for me, I wanted more of the incident. Huh. And as someone who didn't really know about that story or like mm-hmm. when wasn't interested in sports and stuff. I, I kind of feel the opposite. I wanted more just about like her growing up, like as a kid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then the incident, I, I, I was completely satisfied with the amount of attention that that <laughs> part of the movie got. Yeah. And I, and I do, was, I do think it is because I've spent, you know, the last however sure. many years, like not knowing like what happened, what exactly happened. And it's like, yeah, you know, we still don't know, but that's not the point of this movie. I do think it's very interesting <laughs> the way the movie breaks the fourth wall and says like, okay, we know this is the part you're here for. Like, yep. um, here it is. That kind of thing. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I would have loved so much more about her as a kid. And, you know, we get, we meant, we hear the fact that like, she's one of like five kids, Um, And yet we don't see any of her siblings um, Mm -hmm. or we don't see, I don't want, I didn't want more sympathy for Alice and Janie's character. Um, But I did want a little bit more of a view of her life as a mother um, Mm -hmm. who is raising multiple kids, driving her to practice, you know, um, doing all these things that like a mother does. And then also being abusive. Again, I'm not looking for sympathy for that character, but I, I was looking for a more full picture of mm-hmm. the, maybe just more the gruelingness of being a skating kid and a skating mom. You know, we kind of yeah. just heard a lot about all my money goes to this, but mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we didn't see a lot of like what the toll that takes on a family to like be involved mm-hmm. in that sport. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
I think, how, how do you feel about the rest of the fourth wall breaks? Because all the fourth wall breaks come from uh, Margot Robbie's character. No, not true. Tanya, um, right? Most of them do. But there's that moment when she's training with her coach again. And her coach is saying, like, you know, she really did this. She really did oh, this. Oh, you're right. You're right, yes. Um, and I yep. feel like Jeff probably broke the fourth wall at a point that I'm forgetting. But I don't know that for okay. sure. Um, yeah. I thought they were, like, they were less frequent than, like, going in, I obviously didn't think they'd break the fourth wall. But when they did for the first time, it happened so early on, I thought it was going to be, again, to bring back the um, the big short, like, I thought it was going to be more like that, where yeah. people are constantly talking to the camera and stuff like that. Yeah. And it happened infrequently enough that when it did happen, it does kind of shock you and of just like, oh, my gosh, like, this is like, I was, this is something important. <laughs> I was really into it. Now, I did expect it because in the trailer, we have that scene where she shoots at her husband and she goes, I yeah. never did this. Um, I I love that I moment in the trailer. If, yeah, I, I loved it in the trailer. I didn't know if it would be in the movie. I thought that might be like one of those things oh, that was just like, yeah. more, this is just for the trailer, just to make it exciting. Yeah. But especially because she says, I never did this. Like, See, I think <laughs> I was like, is this gonna one be? of the most impactful moments of it was one of the first times where she's, I think, in a car with Jeff and they first started dating. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, she just kind of looks to the camera and goes, he hit me a lot. And then turns to him and then he just like punches her. And yeah. that starkness, I think, is what makes me appreciative of the way abuse is handled in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's not a punchline. It's just, it, yeah. it's, it's a, a matter of fact. He hit me a lot. And, he, and then he does, mm-hmm. you know, and then he hits her a lot yeah. in a sequence. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I appreciated it. Uh my f- my favorite one was when she's in the car and Jeff is talking to the cop and yeah. you can see it the way it's framed like you'd see her but you can also see them talking in the background and she's basically like saying what what's happening like yeah. like he can talk his way out of anything the cop ignored the blood on my face right and you know he, all this stuff and it's just like oh my gosh yeah. like this is so like because it is like it's visual too it's not just you're not just telling you know the story you're also getting to see it right along with it and it just made it so much more impactful yeah uh i was a big fan of it um yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stood out to me um yeah yeah i loved this movie i think like the 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 far the farther i got away from it the more i liked it yeah um <laughs> um i think it's just it's this. I think this is a hard movie to make, and yeah. you see all the work that went into this. Right, <laughs> it's very impressive. And here's the thing: I'm always going to be a fan of more movies about complex female characters. You know, mm-hmm. I love a good movie about a a woman who's a hero, who's just like a good person trying to achieve a goal. I like yeah. that. I'm not saying that those are bad things to have. But we don't often enough get movies about women that are, like, mm-hmm. really complicated. And Tanya Harding's real complicated. Um, yeah. I do appreciate that how this movie doesn't... I think this movie is definitely on Tanya Harding's side. And that she is a victim of a lot of her circumstances. But I do think it calls her out in subtle ways. Like, And yes. I appreciate that. Um, yes. The sequence she- where she goes... Like, it's not my fault. And then they do a quick mm-hmm. montage of all the bad behavior she was doing before a sporting event. Um, yeah. The fact that she is having trouble, like, 
physically and yet she still smokes all the time you know mm-hmm. um the fact that um she this is this one i'm not, i have a harder time saying because i i don't want to like blame her for this as much but like mm-hmm. the fact that she gets out of that relationship and then goes right back you know and that yeah. is a common thing that happens and it's a sad truth that that that, that happens often um but I just feel like it really holds her accountable um, in mm-hmm. in ways that you don't always see. Now, I think there's an argument to be made that it doesn't hold her accountable enough for some other stuff, yeah. especially stuff mm-hmm. relating to the incident. Um, yeah. But uh, I think the movie does a good job of making it clear that Tanya Harding um, will doesn't like to accept blame for a lot of stuff. Yeah. She won't take responsibility. Yeah. And sometimes she shouldn't have to, and probably sometimes she should. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was a big fan of it. I'm excited to like show it to other people that I know. I think it's uh, movies like this also excite me because now I'm going to like look up more about Tanya Harding and just know more about Mm -hmm. her as a person. Yeah. Like the real events. Yeah, like like you said, like this is a movie I will show people like, and I love movies that I get excited about showing other people. Right, I think that's one of the big, that's one of the fun things about movies is sharing them, and so the, this is definitely one that I will be sharing with a lot of people. Yeah. So, okay, well, I think that about wraps it up for us this week. Um, we will be, we'll be, we will be coming. When are we doing so our? So next our week we'll be back year? for Phantom of for Phantom Thread. Yes, um, that's right. We're going to take a week off, and then mm-hmm. we're at the very end of January, or maybe the very first of February, we haven't decided the exact day, um, we'll be releasing our top ten episode of the year, um, where we'll each talk about our top ten films. Yep. It's later than I would like, but it is also the ability to see all the movies. Yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> has not I have just kind of decided that... January counts as part of 2017 when it comes to movie watching. It just does. And that's not my fault. I'm Tanya Harding here. It's not my fault that all these movies don't come out with their movies until the end of January. You know? I agree. There are Here's, several movies. I, 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 th- I think in the future, they will that, that will change. I think more movies will come out earlier. Just because we have it's so jam-packed in December that I think with like Get Out and Mad Max and like all of these movies that yeah. are still getting awards buzz and com- came out earlier in the year. I think I think people will start realizing they can make more money if they put it out there earlier. There are two That's my that's my hope. movies <laughs> that I am that could very well be on my top 10 that I don't think are coming to my theater until February. And Oh my gosh. And it's just like I, I don't know what to do about that, you know, like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so I, for me, this whole month is about catching up on 2017 movies, and, and it counts in my view. All right. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> well, in the meantime, Sandra, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd uh, at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And like I said, I'm watching a lot of movies right now, and I'm putting them all on Letterboxd. So keep up with that yeah. if you want. You can also find me at Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Lucas and Stuff. I... Will again be f- trying to catch up and get every movie I can possibly watch before our <laughs> our uh, best movies of 2017 episode. So next week, Phantom Thread, and then a week off, and then we're coming at you live. It's not live. None of it's live. Oh, and you can find um, <laughs> um, information about us as a podcast at Feeling It Pod. Yep. All right. We will see you later. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you.
see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 